So good afternoon, good morning. Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we talk to the leaders and customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that impact a brand's ability to drive unique experiences, engagement, and most importantly, customer loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure to speak with Matt Cates. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at PrizeLogic. How are you, Matt? Doing well, Mark. Thanks for uh, inviting me to join today. Absolutely. Uh, looking through CC, as you know, we have a, a growing brand membership presence. We talk with them about all facets of customer loyalty. And one of the things we've recently come across, and we've known for a while, but customer loyalty fraud and program gaming is a huge area of concern and interest for people who run customer loyalty programs. Uh, we recently had a kind of a brand-only, member-only meeting, and there were some challenges in regard to you know fraud and gaming. Um, you know, first off, as as a thought leader in the customer loyalty space. What type of customer loyalty program fraud and gaming are you seeing today? Uh, great question. And first, um, I think this is a wonderful topic. Um, people don't talk about fraud enough. And I think there's sometimes if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. But it exists whether we talk about it or not. And so creating this forum to, for different people to share their perspectives, I think, is incredibly valuable. Um, in terms of what are the types of frauds that we see, there's, you know, it, it takes a variety of forms. So there's account takeovers where someone like hacks into your account um, and basically, you know, caches your points in, spends them to buy something for themselves, um, either changing their address or, or sending it to a dummy email account. Um, so account takeover is a big one. Um, people creating multiple accounts, um, that could be as an individual doing it or bots attacking. Um, and they do this to either, you know, get multiple signup bonuses or as like a workaround to earning caps. So we put earning caps in to make sure that people don't fraudulently earn too many points because they're collecting them from, you know, nefarious sources. Um, but if I open up multiple accounts, I can do a workaround. Um, there's, you know, a lot of programs and our programs use um, receipt submission as yep. their purchase validation. Um, and people will sometimes try and submit the same receipt twice or those receipts get shared um, on social networks and multiple people, you know, uh, try and redeem them. And you know, we have capabilities where we use digital fingerprinting on those receipts. So while they're not unique, like unique code, they are all different dates, different vendors, different items, different prices, and those can be identified. Um, and so, and then there's lastly, like either employee or channel fraud where people are collecting points they didn't really earn, like a food service person who's cutting out codes or using codes from you know, the hundreds of products that are used. So those are, you know, a variety of forms. And even within those, they take many different ways that people attack it. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit more about the CPG programs you run? Because that's obviously PrizeLogic's area of expertise. Uh, when you run a program for, say, kind of a large consumer packaged goods company, they scan uh, the, the receipt, right? If, if it's not integrated into the point of sale, which usually it's not. So, kind right. of, so CPG, how, how does that process work? And what do you see from kind of a fraud gaming perspective there? Sure. So CPG, as you said, they don't, they don't own the, the point of sale. So they can't do you know, POS integration to validate it. So there's typically two different ways to validate purchase. One is a unique code unpack. Um, so a, like an alphanumeric unbreakable code um, that is used and always put on the inside of package, so not exposed. Um, and then, you know, other times um, they'll use uh, receipt submission. And the reason why they'll use receipt submission is operationally, it can be hard for some clients to put brands to put uh, unique codes on thousands or millions of packages. Um, when it comes to receipts, um, well, the great part is, you know, you, you don't 
the, the receipts are universal. Um, and so we can take them from all retailers. Um, but they're, as I said, they're more apt to be fraud risk if you don't have the right solution in place to protect you versus a, a one-time unique code. And so we'll use that, you know, as I mentioned, digital fingerprinting. So looking at what appear to be non-unique elements of a receipt, the date, the time, the items that I bought, the order of those items, the prices, the location of the store, all those different things that on their own aren't unique, but taken together are fairly unique. And so then we can monitor based on kind of that fingerprint, um, yeah. both on an individual level, does an individual seem to be submitting the same thing over and over again, um, but also broadly too. And your risk, you know, of broad fraud is, you know, is even greater where someone, there's a network of people who share receipts and they, you know, and so the ability to do that fingerprinting um, catch that fraud that way is, is incredibly important because many brands have to rely on receipt submission um, and you need the, the right technology in place to catch that. Okay, great. When you look at uh, like the program fraud, uh, program gaming, the customer loyalty fraud and program gaming, what have you seen during COVID? What has changed during COVID, if anything? Yeah, well, so you know, there have been reports that like the FTC has said that there's there's been an increase in, in fraudulent behavior across a number of different industries, yeah. um, loyalty being one of them. Um, you know, the biggest one that that can report is the fact of loyalty points. Um, and one of the biggest sectors that hits is the travel industry, um, which kind of makes sense because there's those accounts are rich in points and people are were during especially the earlier times of COVID and even to today are traveling less. And if I'm traveling right. less, I'm paying less attention to my hotel or airline loyalty account. Um, and if I'm not paying attention, it's easier for someone to break in and steal stuff and no one, no one didn't notice. Um, in other industries, I think it's just a lot of, um, there's been an increase in time to create like multiple accounts to get those one-time bonuses. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been an increase, um, definitely. Um, but you know, our, our vigilance is, is the same um, in, in the sense of it, it was serious before, it's serious now. And we continue to kind of play that cat and mouse game um, in terms of we get better, you know, fraudsters find new ways and, and we iterate on that. The great benefit our clients have is we don't look at each program, loyalty, we do you know, loyalty programs, rebate programs, gift for purchase, um, different types of promotions like sweepstakes. So we run like 800 programs a year for some of the biggest brands out there. And so our clients get the connected benefit of us monitoring fraudulent activity across anything. So someone might be creating fraud on one for the first time on your loyalty program, but we've caught them and, and flagged them through another program or connecting that behavior. Um, so yeah, it's spiked up, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning as, as, as it has always been. Absolutely. Okay. We hear from brands, uh, you know, they, there's a realization that fraud is, is there. It's going to be ever present, um, but they're trying to limit the more egregious forms, uh, ones that really have a potential to impact the brand. You know, what are your thoughts with regard to how brands should be approaching fraud? Can they catch it all? Can they stop it all? Because there's a trade-off too between catching all fraud and all you know, impacting customer experience as well. You know, how do you limit fraud's impact on the brand? Sure, this is a great question. So you need to approach fraud prevention as a business decision, not an emotional one. And it's easy to go the emotional route because like anything, someone's stealing from you, someone's stealing from your consumers. Um, but the reason why you need to go from a business decision standpoint is 
you know, fraud is bad, but eliminating all fraud is arguably worse because of the collateral damage that is caused. Um, and I'll give kind of two examples of that. One is one of the main concerns of fraud is the cost of it. Um, it you, you reports all the time, it costs millions or billions, what have you. But if the cost of eliminating fraud is greater than the cost of fraud itself, then is it practical from a business standpoint to eliminate it all or, or efficiently minimize it? Um, the second standpoint is we could put in place, and we have a very strong fraud capability, we can put in place many other things that create a very cumbersome consumer experience, you know, so higher hurdles of protection, more, you know, validation, submitting IDs and all you, different things like that. But the problem with that is, yes, you're, you're stopping that last small fraction of a percent of fraud that the other mechanisms may not have caught, but right. adversely impacting all the honest consumers. Um, and that's where you got to be fair to, you know, they're going to get frustrated with your brand. They might choose not to participate in your program or drop out of your loyalty program. And so that's why it's a business decision, not an emotional decision. Um, again, I'm not saying you should allow fraud. You should minimize it from a cost consumer experience. And lastly, um, a fairness perspective. If the fraudulent people are taking stuff away from your members that they no longer have access to, then that's a, a concern that should be addressed as well. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. One of the things we continue to hear too, or at least we've heard recently, is that you know, there's a lack of reporting or even understanding or assistance from, uh, from the brands who are running customer loyalty programs to, you know, to get that, that assistance, that insight from the people who run their customer loyalty programs. Um, so, you know, is that something that you see uh, or, you know, you kind of talked about some of the, the parameters and the sophistication that you have with regard to your monitoring solutions? You know, how do you help your brands identify fraud with your reporting and, and, and processes? Sure. So and what you say is, is, is sounds surprising, but it's actually true. Um, we've taken um, over some rebate programs and loyalty programs that other people have ran. And we started as, as part of our reporting package, we, sh we show our, our clients, you know, what percent of, of participants or activities were, were flagged as fraudulent and stopped. And they responded to us by saying, we never got this report before. And the frightening part is they never got that report before. There's a good chance that no one was monitoring or stopping it. So I think, you know, it starts with, when you're talking to whether interviewing a new vendor or you know, talking to your current one, don't just listen to their fraud prevention story. Um, I think it's important, the story of not minimizing it, how you prevent fraud, what are the things you do um, are very important, but you've got to ask them for two things. One, you know, give us some third-party certification to validate that story. So, you know, for instance, we have ISO 2701 certification. We have SOC 1, which shows that we have financial measurements in place. There are security rating services in place. Um, you can't just, like, anyway, I can tell a good story of anything, but is there, it's fraud is too important to then just trust people on it. And I, I love things like there's examples where, where some people will say we follow ISO 2701 best practices, um, but that's very different than saying you're certified. Um, saying you follow best practice is the equivalent of me handing in a college paper and telling my professor not to grade it because I followed everything. You should just give me an A. Trust me. Third-party certification is so important. Um, and the, the second part is ask them, is fraud reporting you know, 
part of your, your dashboard, your metrics. Um, and if you have a live program, show it to me. Because if they can't show you through dashboards, metrics, what have you, that they're catching fraud, they're not catching it. Like it exists. It's, it, it would be imp impossible for it not to. So those are the, you've got to validate the story that you hear of catching fraud with actual tangible teeth. Uh, excellent. And when you look at uh, employee fraud, it's something we hear uh, a great deal about in, in kind of a growing area of concern. And you mentioned earlier, so scanning that extra barcode or the, the, the lady or the gentleman at the uh, restaurant who has the uh, uh, restaurant loyalty card who's scanning every third transaction and then obviously getting an accruing enough food uh, points to buy their family dinner later that evening. You know, what are you seeing in regard to employee fraud and, and how should brands be addressing that as well? Sure. So yeah, we we see like in CPG, you know, industry as an example, you get like your quote unquote like dumpster divers or people who work in food service or bars who have access to huge volumes. Um, you also have the you know instances of where not here, but you read about like employee fraud of people doing different things like that. And so yeah, you have to address it because the fraud from within um, or through your channels can be far greater than an outsider trying to do it. Um, from internal controls, things that we have in place, and again, it's don't just trust the story, it's, you know, ask for the validation. You know, we have um, SOC 1 type 1 uh, certification. So that, if you're not familiar, it basically shows that you have financial procedures and systems in place to protect the client from um, from the fraud of your vendor, what have you, um, from like the channel fraud, like the dumpster drivers or what have you. It's like a lot of that is, I mean, you can put in the rules that they can't do it, but that doesn't necessarily stop it. You've got to look at it from a program design standpoint. So, you know, what are reasonable earning caps to put in place that, you know, maybe my super heavy purchasers um, hit, but certainly, you know, limit an institutional you know, person. And then, you know, from a, a redemption, a reward redemption strategy, um, what are those things that you can put in place? And then what are you, from a, a fraud monitoring capability, um, what are you, you know, checking in place of that? But you, you know, it, I think a lot of it starts with program design um, because you may be unintentionally allowing someone to do something that is undesirable. You know, so sometimes um, brands put in daily point earning limits because, yep. you know, but the problem is people, enter all their points in, you know, maybe over a week at once. So then you're like, okay, well, we'll take a whole week's worth of, of buying and let them earn their points in one day. But the problem is they can do that every day. So, you know, a simple thing is changing your caps from a daily cap to a weekly or a monthly cap or an annual cap, you know, simple design things like that can, can go a long way. Excellent. Um, brands, when they have uh, employee fraud, employee uh, gaming concerns, you know, should training be a part of, of, of a way to address that, letting them know that uh, there are kind of rules and regulations around it? Or that, that seems to be a kind of a challenge for uh, marketers as well as having kind of a, an effective employee training process. Yeah, I mean, it's employee training is incredibly important because, you know, fraud can take place on multiple touch points of, of a program. So as I said, like from the start of how you design it, to you know, your customer service people who are often the front line. They're, they want to create a positive experience of someone who might be having trouble with your program, but at the same time, you don't want to make the misstep of trying to be, you know, show goodwill to consumers and trust by getting you know, frauded by that. And so letting them know 
what are the signs, what should you be careful of, what should your limitations be. Um, it's incredibly important. And, 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 and it's not in a, in a negative way. You're actually making your, your employees, your team members better at their job right. by, by teaching them this skill that makes them better for your company and for the next company that they go to. So I think it's, it's a worthwhile investment um, in them as a person and, and for your company and, and your program as well. Okay. And then the last area of concern we see and hear about is, you know, uh, most brands don't have a standard operating procedure, right? They don't have kind of a rules that uh, maybe say and tell how the customer service rep should act if they notice fraud or who to get involved. Um, so what about SOPs? Uh, should brands have SOPs and, you know, how do they go about developing one? Yeah. I mean, it's like, so yeah, I mean, the simple answer is yes, absolutely. Um, because if you're viewing fraud as a one instance at a time, you're not getting the benefit of the macro insight that you generate. Like, so the type of fraud, the patterns, IP addresses, you know, et cetera, you're not getting that macro learning and you're treating fraud as a one-off. And oftentimes, especially the big type of fraud that brands encounter is, is systematized and you need that too. So there's, you know, from your strategy, your technology, to your ongoing, you know, mitigation. So I'll, I'll give you an example of why it, it should be seen as a whole instead of ad hoc one at a time. Our fraud mitigation system uses basically a scoring system. So instead of looking at one, you know, activity and saying is it fraud or not, we score different activities, you know, many different activities. Um, and if uh, an individual member hits a certain uh, fraud level score across multiple activities, then we flag them as fraud. If we try to look in a narrow scope and just at one activity, it's much harder to determine versus the pattern. Um, and so, you know, we'll look at things like their physical address, their phone numbers, how fast they enter their codes, in, you know, because people have, you know, the difference between a human entering something in, you know, the speed and the, you know, the, the balance of that entry versus, you know, a bot or what have you, you know, IP addresses, domain checks, you know, numbers, and things like that. We have a number of, you know, we have a flag that, you know, IP addresses. Um, and that's one of the benefits that are, as I mentioned earlier, our clients don't just get the benefit of fraud on their own program, but across all the programs that we run, um, that, that scoring system is done. We also have the ability to adjust that based on type of program and type of fraud risk and type of activity. So if you're not, if you're treating as in one-off, you're, 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 you're not equipped to fight the battle and you're not giving yourself the benefit um, of the holistic insight, as well as the ability to learn from that and get better. Um, because the people are committing fraud, they're learning and getting better. If you're looking at one at a time, they're going to be miles ahead of you. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Very interesting to hear uh, what you guys are seeing and, and doing to help uh, your clients with regard to customer loyalty fraud and program gaming. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. And again, great topic. Um, happy to share and happy to learn from uh, other people that you're talking to. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for watching. Uh, join us back uh, again soon. Uh, we're going to have a couple of people talk about program fraud. So looking forward to that discussion. So thank you very much for uh, watching today.